Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of CQP Moments. As always, I am your host, the Coupon Queen Ben. Guys, today I have an awesome guest by the name of Gary Waters. He is a retired head coach and he has some principles he needs to share with us. Yes, I said needs. So let's take a moment out and I'll be right back. So guys, like I was saying, I have Gary Waters here and we're going to get into a little bit of, you know, I love to bring you guys stuff about caring and leadership and coaching and Mr. Gary Waters, for those who are into college basketball, like I, I, I have to say this, I'm kind of fangirling out here. For those who are into college basketball, is a college basketball coach. Yes, 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 and yes. So, you know, this is this is my moment. I'm, you know, having a moment here. But for those that don't know you, please, Gary, introduce yourself to my listeners. Very good. Very good, Queen. Um, obviously, my name's Gary Waters, and I've been a head coach in college basketball for over 25 years. I coached for about 43 years. The last three schools I was at, I was at uh, Rutgers, Cleveland State, and Kent State. My last school was Cleveland State. And I'm here on this show because I've written a book called 10 Principles of a Character Coach. And it talks about having character in your life. And that's my objective. See, I love that. Direct and to the point. Like, we don't even have to skate around it. You're like, I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. As as I'm like fangirling out again, listening to all these state schools and amazing places that you've been, what made you decide to go from coaching and saying, hey, you know what? I have to write this book. I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to write it down on paper. Well, uh, one of the things I did, I retired three years ago. And in retirement, I had to decide what I'm going to do. You know, what happens, many coaches, when they retire, they've coached for so long, they don't know what to do with themselves. But I said, you know, I still a lot left in me, so I wanted to do something. And one of the things I decided was to write. I've written a book, 10 Principles of a Character Coach. I just finished writing another. It's It's about ready to go to the editors. It's called coaching millennials from a character perspective. And, uh, and I wrote my autobiography that won't come out for about four or five years. So in these three years, that's all I've been doing is writing. And I, and. Uh, uh, okay, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. You're writing an autobiography. It seems like you're doing things a little backwards. Why'd we do the autobiography last? Or why was the autobiography the third thing you did? That's very good. <laughs> you picked that up, Queen. That's very good. I didn't pick it up when I did it. When I first went in retirement, I wrote my autobiography. And I was excited. It, you know, had all kinds of things in it and everything about my past history. I, I, I gave it to my editor and we got a publisher. And I had to publish it. And they really liked it. And when I told them, but they both people told me I was doing it completely wrong, like you said, backwards. He said, if you would put out this autobiography, the only people that would 
gravitate toward are the people that know you. So what you need to do is have some writings before this that uh, will give them an understanding of who you are. And, and so now you'll get a better audience. So I wrote, so I, I stopped right then. Then I wrote 10 Principles of a Character Coach. That's the book that we're, we're talking about. And so, and they said, you should have a couple of writings. So I also wrote a second book, which is called uh, Coaching Millennials from a Character Perspective. So that's the route I'm on right now. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. And you know what I've done, just to give you an idea. Okay, tell me. Uh, 10 Principle came out in December. Uh, and then uh, probably uh, about another year, I'm gonna, I'll bring out uh, Coaching Millennials. And then two years prior to that, I mean, uh, beyond that, I will, uh, I will put out my autobiography and it's already written. Well, I mean, wow. So you've got a plan. <laughs> yes. You definitely got a plan. Now, my question becomes, where did all of this start? When, when did you start? Did this start with a love of basketball? Because I know you didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, I want to be a coach. Right. So did this start with a love of basketball? Did this start with playing basketball in college? Where did the the love of basketball start? Very good. Very good. It's been a love. I played in high school. I played in college. I got drafted by the Pistons, all that kind of stuff. And I was excited about basketball. But then when I didn't make it in the pros, when I, you know, back in those days, I didn't make it. You know, I had to decide what I want to do. I had graduated in business and uh, and I had just did an internship with General Motors, uh, General Motors Institute. I did a, you know, to be in a supervisor. And I did that and I said, that is not what I really want to do. So at that moment, I, I changed direction. And I said, you know what I want to do? And I was talking to, to, my, to the Lord when I was saying this. You know, I want to I want to transform lives. And I, and I love basketball and I want to do it in basketball. So that's when I decided I wanted to be a coach. So I took the avenue. I went back to where I played at and, and did an internship there with the coach there or not an internship, but, you know, I had to work with it like an assistant and uh, for JVE and all kinds of stuff. I did that for, for a year. And at the time, in those days, you had to teach it also as a coach. So I had to go back and get another degree in teaching just to make sure I do that. And then I did that. And then that's when my career started and I just started taking it from there. Now you said something very interesting and I just want to take it back for a moment. You said you went and you were drafted for the Pistons, but you couldn't cut it. What made you say, this isn't the end of Gary. This isn't the end of Gary Waters. This isn't the last you're going to see of me because I mean, Everyone has that one big dream. And a lot of times we have that feeling of, you know, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to fold when I don't get what I want. So what made you say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't the end of my story. Well, you know what, and that's a great, great question because most people, most players, when they play, you know, they, they, they spend all their time doing that, which I did. And I loved the game and I loved it as a coach. And I love it now as a coach. I can't get off the TV to the Olympics. I watched that whole thing. But as I was doing it, and, I, and when I didn't make it, I just said, because see, what, I had a different kind of route. I, I got drafted pros, went there, didn't make it. But back then, 
the European League could come in and draft you. Today, it's whole, totally different. And because we're talking about in the 70s. So they, he would come, they would come back and they would, they would draft you. So I was drafted to Spain. I went over to Spain and it was just a bad experience. You know, uh, you know you're playing outdoors. You know, the competition level was very average. I mean, it just wasn't what I was expecting. So right then and there, I had made a decision to myself is I'm not going to chase this dream. You know, I, I can do other things. And that's when I went and I, and I came back. But, you know, I just did an internship for General Motors. So normally you would say go back because they offered me a job. Now, you got to imagine this was in 75 and they offered me a job for about 65,000. Today, that'd be about 200,000. And when they offered it, I said, nah, this isn't what I want to do because I wanted to coach. And, uh, and I came back. I made a decision to make that change. And I knew I had to start from the bottom. I mean, on a stipend and the whole thing to get started, but that didn't bother me. You know, I was committed to being a coach and I was doing it for a different reason. I wasn't doing it to win games, which I don't want a lot of games. I was doing it to change lives. And that's what I went into the profession to do. So, okay, here's, here's what's making me really peak here. Because not only did you pivot, you decided because we all have those and 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 you know what I'm talking about we have those parents that are just like or the supporters that are like hey you know you need to have a fallback plan right and you turned down like you said something at this point would have been two hundred thousand dollars a year or more to go ahead and say "Eh, I really want to coach so how did you deal with that? And, or how did your supporters deal with that? Did you have any, as I call them, negative cheerleaders saying that's not the way to go? And if so, how did you handle that? Well, you want to know something even more tougher than that? I, had a, I, I have a wife and I had a son that was very, it was probably about 42 years old at the time. So think about what I'm telling you. They're looking for me to go and make these decisions financially to help them. And I and and I did that complete reversal, but I had a I have a great wife at the yeah, I have a great wife and she just said, hey, let's let's chase what you want to do here. And so we we I made the decision to do it. And for 43 years, uh, it's been very good to me and very profitable because I'm in retirement. So that tells you how things work out. Now, ladies, I don't know if you're listening, but I, 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 I got a whole bunch of gems out of that. <laughs> this woman stood behind him when he said, hey, no, the money is not what I'm chasing. I'm chasing something bigger. And for those that don't know what it takes to be a head coach, it's a lot. And especially for schools to request you. Right on such a high level. So, I mean, you could have taken that job. Like this, this is what's like bugging me out right now. I, I, I can't even say it any other way. You could have taken that job and said, okay, you know what? General Motors, this is where I'm going to be. I trained to be here. I'm going to make this money. But you said, no, 
and your wife stood behind you and you've got this little person because everybody's <laughs> always like, oh, babies, babies, babies. Let me tell you something. And, and I say this all the time. You guys know it. Babies grow up to be adults. So right. you have this little person counting on you right now to make the right decision. I'm going to ask you a really strange question. Okay, go ahead. I'm here for you. What kept you from kicking yourself? And if you did kick yourself, what made you keep going? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, I was driven. I must say that. And, you know, like I told you, I had a wonderful woman behind me. She and she worked to, to make sure that everything could be right and, and, and support me during that time. And once I got to where I wanted to be, because for instance, what I had to do is I had to come back, I had to get a master's degree, and I had to, and I and I became a tenured track professor. I mean, all kinds of things happened during that period of time. And so when all that happened, because she she hadn't done her education. So she said to me, it's time for me to do my thing and, and get an get an education. And so I had to support her 150%. And she ended up doing it and had a career of her own and all that, you know, it, 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 was, it was something that really drove me to do these things. So when someone helps you, you want to do everything you can to make sure you support them in their endeavor. Oh, I need to, you know what, I need you to say that again for the people in the back, because, you know, some people don't get this. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. We live in a society that's really uh, don't condone this. I hate to say that. And, and literally, that's why I wrote the book, 10 Principles of a Character Coach, because you need principles. And character is the primary principle you need. And if you got character, you're going you're gonna to do the right things. So, okay. Now, we've got you coming back from Spain, turning down this internship or this job, and how long between then going to school did you start coaching? Because I, I know you got your teaching degree, but how long after that did it, how long did it take you to start coaching? Well, when I came back, I, I immediately got a, a, a job with the school, which was Ferris State University, as an, as an a, a part-time assistant, because you could have that back then. And and I was working on a stipend and I had another job. And that job literally helped me, propelled me because I wanted in my, uh, uh, I had to get a master's, a specialist. And then I had to, you know, I was working on my PhD. That tells you how far I was into this thing. Sorry. Tell you how far I was into this thing. Right. And, uh, and because I was on an internship, I was not on an internship, but, uh, a program where they were trying to help de have to develop leaders at uh, in in education. So it, and it was a three part process. You get your you get your masters, you get your specials, then you go on, you get your PhD. I went and I tell you how I make changes in my life. I went all the way to the PhD, got into it, everything, and said, "Now all I want to do is coach." And then let that go. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're just like, you're, you're going, okay. I think, you know what the crazy part is? I think a lot of my listeners may hear their 10 year plan ripping up and burning. Um, 
<laughs> but trust me, guys, there is a good part to this. There is a good part to this because as you can see, he did get to where he wanted to be. So don't don't just like feel like he's stomping on something you, you wanted to do. Okay, but you do if, that. Let me mention this. Let me go ahead. Go ahead. This is very important because even in that process, because that program I was in, it was a scholarship program I was in. There was 10 people in that program. And I don't tell a lot of people this. There was 10 people in that program. And they went through the same route I went through. Let me tell you how they ended up. Two became vice presidents of universities. Two became, uh, I mean, not became presidents of university. Two became vice presidents. Uh, two became superintendents. And one became uh, 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 something in education. And, uh, and, and then one person didn't make it. And then it was myself. And what I ended up doing is going into coaching. <laughs> wow. 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 So, and it was a great program because it was trying to make leader, uh, minority leaders become leaders in education. And it helped me because, you know, it, I could use it in what I did in coaching and all that. And so when I went back to Ferris State and, and, and did what I did there, I got a job that would that could possibly, you know, increase that that type of, you know, skill I had. And so not only did I coach, I could work that job as well. So that, that everything worked out extremely well for me as time went on. That is awesome. That is awesome. So let's talk about your book a little bit, because you're focusing on working with not just coaching, but helping police departments and churches. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, and, 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 I, and I can see how this is so relevant. I mean, because if you look at the social climate we're in, I mean, I just saw a video this morning, and I don't know if you've ever seen this video of Tony the Closer in Miami um, being told to lay on the ground after he got out of his own Lamborghini. Mm, well, I didn't see that. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, this is something that's happening. This man's own Lamborghini in front of a hotel that he was renting a room in for the night with his family in front of his mother, in front of his sister. Oh man. And he's being told to get on the ground for doing nothing other than getting out of his own car and going in the boot of his car to get his luggage out. Oh man, that is pretty bad. So what do you believe or, or how can you help, you know, police departments in this social climate? Well, and that's the purpose of being involved with the police department, because I was caught in the same thinking. I was seeing the Floyd thing and all the things that's going on. And when I seen that, I said immediately, you know, what can I do to help this situation and just sitting here watching? And, and what hit me was character. Now, why do I say that? Obviously, the person that was that had his knee on 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 Floyd lacked some character. We know that because it, it talked about his past history. It talked about it yeah. before the whole thing. Right. However, there were two others, and it may have been three that was there too. 
and they seen it. And they could have easily said, hey, get off of him. That's not right. You shouldn't be doing that. And so they could immediately come to help the process and we wouldn't be going through all this stuff we're going through right now. And, uh, and, I, and when I said that, I said, you know what the whole thing is, they lack character too. You know? So in other words, are you talking about enabling the situation as opposed to, as opposed to, because I, I think that that's one thing that we want to talk about the person doing, but we don't always talk about the fact that there are partners, there are other people around. That's right. And, 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 and you're exactly right. They enabled it, but they could have been out of pressure. You, you and I both know that, you know, that they could have been a good old boy network. Anything could have happened that would have made them say, hey, I can't step into this. However, when you have true character, you look at what's right and what's wrong, and then you step in and you, be a, you make a decision to help or not help. And so in that, in that case, something could have happened. So when that all occurred, I said, man, I, I must do something. And it came to me. I said, you know, what I can do is use character to teach them how to look at themselves and make decisions. And now, and I said to myself, you know, in six hours, you're not going to change a person. A person's been doing this for 20 years. So six hours won't change. But what I, what I said I wanted to do is in these workshops is give them information so they can take this information and they can look at themselves and make decisions about themselves. Because these decisions will not only affect the police department, but it affect their families, their relationships, whatever. Now, one of my areas in psychology of in education, because when I went on to grad, that's what I got into. You know, I, I learned a great deal on relational things. So when 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 I thought about this, I said it fits perfectly, and I kind of narrowed it down into three categories. I said the you got police officers that have been. Uh, raised this way, to discriminate, to hate. That's been a part of their makeup in their lives. Or they've been a, a, a person that's been in a very negative situation that whenever they're confronted by that, they go into a different category, okay? They change their whole behavior pattern. Then the third one is they were either a bully or they or bullied someone. And all these, all these type of, what do you want to call it? sets of people and character is within them. And what I, want, what I wanted to do is determine, are we testing for that, for their past history to see if these kind of things are happening? And I found out some things, but you know we won't get into that. However, they are doing some of those things now just to make sure they're getting people with the right type of background. And I said, what would be better for them is to have information that can help them have better care. That is so true. That is so true. So, okay. Now you're talking about these 10 principles. And one of the things that you struck me was you talk about empathy. How important is empathy in this society? Well, it's really important because you have to be a humble person. And if you show that that characteristic, you have a chance of really connecting with people. And oftentimes, you know, we don't have empathy for a person. I don't know if you ever seen the movie uh, Queen and Slim. You ever see that? Yes. Okay. If you remember the incident that occurred when when they pulled them over and all that stuff, that was the classic thing. And I show it in the workshop. 
could happen in any given time. And, and one of the parts of psychology I work on is called drama, drama triangle. So people get into a triangle and it's a drama that occurs. And the three corners of each of the triangle, you have a persecutor, a victim, and a rescue. And when I, when I talk about this, you can play any one of those parts and you can change any one of those parts. And when you look at that, that movie, Queen and Slim, that's what's actually happening. One person is the victim, one is the rescuer, and one is the, one is the persecutor. And when, when the woman that stepped out the car, that was the, the lawyer that said, you can't be doing this, she tried to be a rescuer. And what ended up happening? She became a victim. And, and, and the guy that's on the, he was the victim from the very beginning, <laughs> you know? And then an accident happened and someone got shot. Now it was two shots. The, the one and woman that got out of the car was shot and even the police officer got shot. So all, all, all this stuff happens from the behavior patterns that they, they demonstrate and they communicate because the whole thing is about communication. And when you don't communicate right, something negative can occur. Now, ooh. Okay, okay, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. He <laughs> said this, and you guys know I am big on communication, but you, oh my gosh, that was just like, bing, that was a light bulb moment. <laughs> When you do not communicate right, things happen. And, and you know, the funny thing is, this is not just for situations like the one in Queen and Slim. This is not just for situations like George Floyd. This is something throughout our everyday, our everyday life. And that's the crazy part. This is something throughout our everyday life. So it's just like super crazy. So one of the things even my mom made me realize when I was younger was in an argument, you have two people that are not communicating because they're actually arguing two different points that's right and so the lack of communication becomes very very detrimental to a situation yep. and and that was something that always stuck with me and she's like you know you can have the wife is arguing you know i asked you to take out the garbage and the husband is hearing you don't ever do anything and yes 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 so it's like she says but if you actually have a third person there that says you know that's not what she's saying and that's not what he's hearing you can actually communicate a little better but she always put that in my mind you know arguments if you just take a moment and listen to what the other person is saying or what the other person is receiving, you can stop a lot of miscommunication. That's so right. And, and what I have found, and it was going back to the, the to psychological process that I was telling you about, is that when you communicate, and then when you communicate, there's going to be a response, OK? 
okay? And how do you respond is the key to that factor. And if you, re if you respond negatively, you're gonna get a negative response back to you. And that's what I've seen happen with the police department in these issues, because you either, and I, I say it's two ways you can respond, aggressive or assertive. Aggressive means you're just attacking, going after. Assertive means you're, you're evaluating it, you're, you're, you're thinking about the person's best interest, and then you move forward. You never not move backwards, you move forward. And so are you saying it's the difference between being a boss and being bossy? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, and I'm gonna say this to you. Women are assertive all the time in the process. They, they, don't, they don't be aggressive in the process. We make them think they're aggressive, but they're assertive. They think about what they're going to say or what they're going to do to kill you before they kill you. Oh, see, see, okay. See, that, that, that's another one of those gems because, okay, gentlemen, are you listening to what this man just said? See, I, I love that. I love that. Okay, I, 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 ha I have to. Your, well, wife is what an amazing, your wife is an amazing woman. <laughs> well, let me give you this, Queen. What happens to the man, he just attacks. <laughs> you know, he just goes after it, and then something negative occurs. Wow, wow, wow. So let's get into these 10 principles. Okay. What, what are the 10 principles? Well, let's go over them quickly, and I, I won't spend a lot of time on them. We'll go over it. The first one is God over everything. And I put that first because that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I was told to do in my mind. Because we as humans, we we think we're we're everything. So what I wanted to do is let you know that there's something above us and that when and don't make yourself out to be all that. Think of others as a as opposed. So God over everything. Secondly, improve yourself and improve others. I believe every morning you wake up, you need to be thinking about something you're gonna to do to improve someone or yourself, uh, most important, yourself first, and then someone else. As a coach, as a head coach, when I came to work every day, I wanted to make sure I was improving, and then I wanted to make sure I improved my players each and every day. Principle three, live with integrity and honesty. All I'm saying to you there is do what is right and say what is right, but don't be, and, but don't be compromised in, in your decision. Uh, principle four, teach others the way you want to treat, I'm sorry, Treat others the way you want to be treated. All that means is show respect for other people and show respect the way you want to be respected. And in our society, we're having a big problem with that today. Principle six, work hard at what matters. So if, if you're working at something, work hard at it. Don't just do it just to do it or to, to get through it. When you are committed to something, work at it because it matters. Principle seven, value and demonstrate loyalty. Boy, that's where we're really having problems in our society, especially in, 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 in sports at, at the collegiate level. You know, if you're not winning championships, we're, we're getting rid of you and we're moving on. And the coach, if he feels that, you know, he can make more money, he's leaving his players and everyone and moving on. So it's no, it's no loyalty there. Principle eight, empower and serve your staff. Uh, this can be used in business. This can be used anywhere that uh, in leadership, that when you have people working under you in, in the profession, you need to empower them to be the best they can become. And then you need to serve them so they can reach their potential. Uh, the eighth, uh, the, that's the eighth 
principle. The ninth principle is uh, honor the profession and players. Because in our professions, you know, there's a lot of negative things that go on. And if you really honor it, you, you will try not to commit those things in character. And so, but also understand you got a lot of young men that are, or young women that are under your jurisdiction, that you, under your authority, you need to make sure that you're doing the right things because they are looking at you and at your example. And principle 10, leave a character legacy. Leave a legacy that people, when they won't go back and say, hey, he won to hundred games and he was, uh, he coached every day, he did all that. Have them leave a legacy that says, hey, this was a good person that worked hard and cared about people and did what he had to do to help those people become successful. That's what this whole 10 principles is about. Wow. Wow. And wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. You have these 10 principles and guys, these are awesome, but so simple principles. Yes, yes. And you go into these in your book explaining how these are not only, you know, words to live by, but how they can be effective. Well, let me say this, and I, I need to add this because I think this is very important. When I wrote this book, I had come to the conclusion that we were lacking character. Okay. So I had to research back and I said, how did it all get started? How did we get to this point? I went all the way back to Naismith, the inventor of basketball. And I want to read you when he invented the game of basketball at the YMCA, he invented this game. This is what he said he was hoping this game would turn out to be. He said, Naismith believed that if you elect to be a coach, it was also your responsibility to be an advisor, a counselor, and a father figure, and to act at all times as an example to the athletes in your care. He also envisioned that sports should develop character, foster patriotism, and instill ethical values that would serve the participant well in later life. And when I read that, I said, are we doing that today? And I had question marks. And that made me write this book. Wow. So I, I, have, to, I have to give it to you. you. You hit the nail on the head a lot of times. And you guys know, I'm always trying to bring you something that will help you in your daily lives. And I know a lot of you were saying, well, why a basketball coach, not just another author? No, these are principles that we have to live by. We, we, we don't think, and, and you guys know, I am so huge on legacy. What is it people are going to say about you? What is it that when even a lot of times we think, oh, when a person is gone, but what about when you're not in the room? What are you, what are people saying about you when you're not in the room that yeah. you don't hear? Are they speaking good of your name or are they agreeing to vote you off the island, so to speak? You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. it, it's, it's a really big thing. So what does your legacy say? Like you just said, are you just another coach or are you the person that somebody's going to say, hey, you know what? When I was in third grade, you made a difference. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Or or, or you know, I was I was I was that little boy or that little girl that you helped tie my shoe in the parking lot at Walmart. 
and you stopped to do it, got out of your car and, and you don't realize that in other words, just that moment, just that, that time made an impact and it shifted a person's whole life. Oh yes. And you know, that happens. That literally happens in life and it changes you. You know, I got stories from the past that it changed me. But let me mention this, because I want to make sure we don't get off the air before I mention this. You know, what I what I look at our values and in our lives and the human life out there, there are many values out there. I mean, we can name, we could probably name a hundred, Queen. We, it's many values. But I have literally summed it up into five core values if you want to have character if you want to show care, if you want to provide care. Five core values. If you follow these five core values, your life should be pretty easy and you should be really enjoying what you're doing. First one, integrity. What does that mean? Actually doing what's right. And don't let anyone compromise what you're doing, okay? Second one, honesty. Be honest, tell the truth. That's the key. Just be honest. Tell the truth. Say what's right. The third one is trust. Trust. Be able to be, be trustful and be able to trust others. You know, relationships break down because there's a lack of trust. The, the fourth one is respect. Respect the people that you are in communication with. But first of all, respect yourself. Because if you don't respect yourself, how can you respect any other? And then the last one is loyalty. Show loyalty to people that show loyalty to you. Help them in their lives and they will help you. That's, those are the five things. Wow, okay, you know, all I have to say to this and I say this with all due respect, preach, preach up, okay? <laughs> like, oh my goodness. You actually, I have goosebumps right now. I literally <laughs> have goosebumps. Okay. Wow. I, I have to say thank you. Thank you for not following what everyone thought you should have done. Thank you for not following the status quo. Thank you for turning down lots and lots of money. <laughs> I mean, it sounds really crazy, but you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have this perspective and you wouldn't be able to impact so many lives if you did. And you remember what I said at the beginning uh, about the whole thing? I said, when I talked to my Lord, I had told him I wanted to transform lives. That's what this is all about. That's what my life has been lived to do is help people become better. And, uh, and I'm gonna tell you, when you do that, when you spend all your time doing that, it's rewarding, very rewarding. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, it, it gives you a feeling that every day you're out there doing something to better this place. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So Gary, tell everyone where they can find your amazing book. <laughs> okay obviously you know it's at the obvious place barnes and noble you can get it there and you can get it from amazon so uh don't hesitate to go out because it's really you know it's it's, it's it really has got a lot of meaning to it and uh and you know what it's an easy read too 
I didn't want it to be difficult. I wanted for someone that's on a plane or someone any place, pick it up, read it, and they can read half of it on the plane. They say, oh man, this is really giving me some insight and, and then move forward. So it's not complicated war and peace. No, it's not complicated. <laughs> now, the, uh, the, uh, the next book I'm writing, uh, Coaching Millennials, there's a little complication in that, but it's okay. It's still, it's still to the point. That is awesome. That is awesome. So thank you so much, Gary. It has been amazing having you. Oh, it's been great being on your show, Queen. Guys, I don't know if you heard those gems that he was dropping, but oh my goodness. All of this information will be in the show notes, so you won't miss a thing. Make sure you are getting his books. Yes, I said two because he's got one out now and one coming out. And definitely check out his website. But as always, guys, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and happy shopping. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Ken, a.k.a. Mr. Gentleman or Mr. Gentleman Like the Podcast. And you are now listening to CQP Moments with the Coupon Queenpin.